Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where we learn and grow together in Christ. We now join the church in worship. prelude to our time of worship this morning. Good morning and welcome to Bowen Springs Baptist Church. We're glad that you are here. What a joy it is to worship a risen Savior and a living Lord. I um, want to take this opportunity. If you're visiting with us today on the side of your bulletin, there is a tab. I'm going to ask everybody to tear off this tab so it makes noise all at one time. So let me hear it. Good. 
Now on this tab, if you are visiting with us, we want some information from you so that we can share with you and get to know you. So please uh, fill that out on one side. And on the back side, this is for everyone. If you have a prayer request you would like to share with the church or the church staff, please fill that out and drop that in the offering plate as it goes by. You can also use this slip of paper as a care, a care slip for a care ministry, or there are some care slips located in your um, pews that you can put those in the offering plate as well so that we can get uh, information on people that may have some needs in our community or in our church that we need to know about. So please, let's continue to um, feed those names and ministry opportunities to our care team. So thank you for doing that. I'm going to ask you to take your bulletin and please look inside of it. It'll let you know about this beautiful flower arrangement that is on the uh, communion table this morning. And also we'll, you'll see the reminder that there are no evening activities. But I want to point out the uh, prayer thought for the week is asking you to pray for the youth in our church. And I would encourage you to do that. God is at work in their lives, and I am just so thrilled to be able to see that happening in them. So please continue to pray for them. And part of our uh, time today, I would invite you to participate in our youth fundraiser as we feed the flock this afternoon after our worship time. The menu there is listed, ham, green beans, hash brown, casserole. There will be slaw as well, dessert, and there's some, some also some, they want me to tell you there were rolls out there. I, I know to some people rolls are important parts to the menu. So uh, know that, that that's there. And that's just a great time of fellowship together. And we will take donations to go toward our, our youth ministry. So make note of that. On the back of your bulletin, you will see opportunities for um, Bible study and fellowship this week. So please make note of, of those opportunities and our Wednesday night midweek opportunity as we will get together again for fellowship and our children's activities and care team will meet. So just um, be sure that look at that and dot your uh, calendars up so that you know when, when you need to be where you need to be. Do see that on the back this afternoon we'll be having an important discussion. So uh, please make note of that and make plans to, to be here for that. Also, our young adults, uh, our young adult steering committee will meet this afternoon at 3 p.m. We'll probably do so in the uh, Kerygma Sunday School class. So um, if you uh, are a part of that steering committee, make plans to do that. But let's continue to worship together this morning. And if I'm not mistaken, I'd like to introduce uh, Dr. Bob Lamb for our mission moment. When Wesley asked me to do this, he probably knew what I would talk about. <clears throat> and so I'm going to ask him to do something. Uh, how good are you at estimating percentages quickly? Not very good. Well, Jim, you may have to help him. Um, <laughs> How many of you have phones in your pockets or your handbags that would let you connect instantly to the Internet? Let me see them. Now, don't keep them out and, and do that while the preacher's preaching. But now, let me see them. Now, hold them up. Now, how many? What percentage? What percentage? Uh, I think, I, oh, we got some hands, too, that aren't necessarily phones. But I'd probably say, you know, a good 40 percent, 50 percent Andrews. Well, oh, Tim says eighty. I'm going with Tim. Okay. Forty to eighty. That's, that's that's a pretty safe spread. How many of you now have computers at home that connect to the internet? Let me see your hands. Oh, lots better. Lots more. Practically everybody. Okay. If you answered yes, you are among the 37.9% of the human beings in the entire world that have that ability, according to a recent survey. And if you want it, I've got the long footnote. Yeah. That means that 62.1% of all the people in the world have never had access even once a year, is what the survey asked, to the Internet. You know, we Americans, 
and I'm talking about myself, we tend to think everybody is like us. What if you were one of those 62% in some other place and somebody told you about Jesus, told you about his coming to save you from your sins, if you would just trust him, if you would believe in him, and you did. And then what if you felt God had called you to be a preacher or an educator and to share that with others? And what if you didn't have even a Bible of your own? Oh, you might have had a page or so that somebody gave you or that somebody copied for you. What if you didn't have a library that you could go to and study to learn more about the Bible as you needed to teach it and preach it and witness to other people? Well, now that's where what I'd like to talk about today comes in. Just seven miles from this place, down that road and turn left up South Lafayette Street is what is called the North Carolina Baptist Men Missions Camp. Now, when we have a tornado around here, it's wonderful when North Carolina Baptists come and feed us or help us clean up in the yard as they did at our house. We lost 65 trees one Sunday afternoon. One time we had three teams of two each from North Carolina Baptist men using chainsaws in our yard helping us at one time. That's wonderful. Or as Catherine Hamrick said, it's one thing to give to North Carolina Baptist men. It sure is another to show up and say, can you feed me? <laughs> as they did for several days when all of our power was down. But they do something else over there. I say they, we do something else over there. And it's called Books on Mission. And for these 62% of people who do not have study materials overseas, if you have in your library an extra Bible, or a commentary, or these teaching pictures that you use, used to show the children. We need those in that mission center. We need you to bring them to us, or just tell me about them and I'll come pick them up. We need you to volunteer to come and pack them, we need you to contribute money to be able to pay the 40 cents a pound it will cost when we get 825 boxes filled and put, put them in that big old metal container and ship them off to a school in India. And around it, there was a great people movement about 100 years ago. And there are a lot of Christians there are a lot of Baptists over there in those many churches that need these material. And because they can speak English, they can read those materials. We invite you to come and help us. And just happen to have brought some brochures with me. And there's some more out in the vestibule. And all you have to do is call me. And I'm like one of those jokes about Texans. The reserved Englishman said, Texans are so not, such nice people, and if pressed, will tell you something about their state. Well, I'm one of those people who, if given any opportunity at all, will tell you about books on mission and how it's going on right down the street and you could help.
Good morning. I'd like to thank Matt Whitfield for filling in for me last week while I took the Gardner-Webb University Concert Choir on tour out to the Outer Banks. We sang in six different churches and three schools, so it was a busy week. Um, but I thank him for doing that. Would you please join me in singing this morning my tribute, which is hymn 153. <clears throat> hymn 153. Let's stand, please. Any children who want to come on down, you're welcome to. Good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. It's always reassuring that my own children won't come down to hear what I have to say. Um, but anyway, uh, what do I have back here behind me? I have balloons. Avery, how many do I have? Seven. How many am I supposed to have? Okay. Do we know where the eighth one is? No. Okay, somewhere between here and Ingalls. But anyway, I have seven balloons behind me, and I was going to read y'all a little poem. Okay? About, about eight balloons. Eight balloons. No one was buying. All broke loose one afternoon. Eight balloons with strings of flying, free to do what they wanted to. One flew up to touch the sun, and that'll be the one we've lost. What's going to happen if he flies up to touch the sun? One thought highways might be fun. <laughs> one took a nap in a cactus pile. One stayed to play with a careless child. One tried to taste some bacon frying. Whoops. And then I dropped my book. 
one fell in love with a porcupine. <laughs> one looked close in a crocodile's mouth. One sat around till his air ran out. Eight balloons no one was buying. They broke loose and away they flew. I'm not going to pop this one. Free to float and free to fly and free to pop where they wanted to. So even though the experiment did not work quite like I planned, did any of the balloons have air in them at the end? No. Seven of them, including the one we lost, took a risk, didn't they? They did something dangerous and it popped them. And one of them wouldn't take a risk. And in the end, it still had no air. And so I have a scripture to read for you. On my phone, connected to the internet. <laughs> Jesus said in Luke 9:23, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life like those balloon, like that balloon, will lose it. But whoever loses it, is their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? So remember, following Jesus and telling people about Jesus sometimes is dangerous. Sometimes you might get popped. But that's the right thing to do. And it's worth the risk. So would y'all pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for all these wonderful children and their parents and grandparents and the whole church who are gathered here to worship you. We pray that you will guide us and help us to be strong and be willing to be popped for you rather than to stay and let all our air run out. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Excuse me, I've got something in my throat today. <clears throat> today and the next few Sundays, we're going to be singing about the cross as we lead up to Easter. Take your hymnals, please, and turn to number 140 as we sing down at the cross where my Savior died. Glory to his name. Let's stand as we sing, 140.
Paul shared, we're going to be talking something, some about the cross today and in the sun, Sundays leading up to Easter. You see that in the songs that are chosen. And uh, it's something worth thinking about as we think about Easter and what it means to us. So let's bow together. Father, it's a beautiful time of the year when the grass begins to grow, when the temperature gets warmer, the days get longer. You can get out and see the flowers beginning to bloom and see earth springing to life once more. And it paints a picture of what happens every time this time of year. We're reminded that life springs forth. We're reminded of Easter. We're reminded of new life. We're reminded of hope, regeneration, all these things, Lord, that are so good for us to to remember. We pray, Father, that we would never take for granted the cross. We've heard about it so much. We've overheard it. We hear about it, and it doesn't impact us. Help us to think about the cross, what happened there, what it meant, Lord, to Jesus, what it means to us, what it means for our lives into the future. May we be ever grateful that we have a Savior that was willing to die in our place. May we never take that for granted. May we never think lightly about that. May it impact us. May it impact the way we think, the way we live, the way we look at our future. May we never take for granted the cross. And bless this service today that your spirit might speak through it. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. Take your bulletins, please, as we sing our next hymn. It is not found in our hymnal. It's one that we've done uh, recently called The Power of the Cross. Let's stand, please.
Let us pray. God, we stand before you today very humbly thanking you for the cross. That's something that was meant as torture and bad. God, you take it and you make it a beautiful gift of love and sacrifice to us, and for that we are grateful because we are undeserving of that because every one of us in this room deserved to hang on that cross. But God, in love, you sent Jesus to do that for us, so thank you. But God, in this time of our service this morning, may we pour our hearts into what we give. So, Father, we ask that you would take this, this offering, these gifts that are already yours, but we give them to you in love and thanksgiving for what you have done for us. May you take and use them and continue to use us to bring glory to you on this earth. But God, as you prepare us to live with you forever, thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
My father was Superintendent of Presbyterian Hospital for 33 years, and toward the end of his work there, he built a small house up on Lake Norman, and that's where he lived with my mother and my brother for a few years before he retired. And then when my father and my brother died in late 1983, um, my mother had them buried there at the cemetery at Bethel Presbyterian Church. And then when she died in 1989, that's where she was buried. And if you go to that grave in Bethel Presbyterian, uh, at that marker for Richardson, there is a scripture. It was one of her favorite scriptures and it's the scripture I have for this morning. It is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You take some time today and read over that one verse. There is a lot in that one verse about the cross. And I don't know who wrote the words of this hymn, The Power of the Cross, but that's beautiful. We're going to be talking about the cross this morning, when Paul wrote this great verse, you see, Paul had tried the other side. Paul started out as a Pharisee. He knew nothing of God's grace. He knew a lot about God's law, God's expectation. And he tried over and over again to make himself right with God by life that sought to obey every single item of the law. But I guess it got more and more frustrating for him because the law showed him over and over again that he couldn't obey it. He, how helpless he was with all those uh, laws, regulations, requirements. So the law had driven him to Jesus Christ. Martin Luther, the founder of the Protestant Reformation, had the same experience. If ever there was a showpiece of discipline and penitence and self-denial and literally even self-torture, it was Martin Luther. He once said, if anyone could be saved by trying to obey the law, it was I. He said, I went to Rome. I climbed the Scala Sancta, the sacred stairs where they say Jesus went up to be tried, up and down, up and down to show my penitence. I tried everything to make myself right. And then the great verse came to me, Martin Luther said, out of, of all books of the Bible, we've been studying on Wednesday night, the minor prophets, the book of Habakkuk of all places, where Martin Luther read, the just shall live by faith. And a life of peace with God is not attained by futile, never-ending, ever-defeating effort, simply by casting ourselves on the love and mercy of God and believing in His grace and His plan for our lives. Martin Luther later said, if I could put myself right with God by obeying the law, then what would be the need for grace? If I could win my own salvation, why did Christ have to die? And when Paul understood the place of the law and the place of grace, he could write this great verse, Galatians 2.20. Folks, here you have a bundle of paradoxes in this verse. What does it say? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. 
You see, my friends, the Christian life, if it's really committed to Christ, is a dying life. We are only able to live to the degree that we are able to die. Die to self, our will, our aims, our desires, our preferences, our maybe uh, sensitive feelings, our goals, our selfish will. We die to all of that. He said, I die to that. Paul says, I die to that. And yet, because I die to that, I am alive more than I ever have been. Christ in me, the hope of glory. The whole concept of the Christian life, my friends, is we gain ourselves when we lose ourselves. We give up so we can have. We surrender so that we can attain. I have been crucified with Christ so that the man that I used to be is no more. And the living power is Christ himself in me. The greatest mystery of all is Christ alive in me, Christ dwelling in me. I feel his presence within. I feel his touch in moments of sorrow and pain. I feel his presence in moments of celebration and joy. He is my companion, my God for life. There was a young Jewish man who was listening to a minister at John Hopkins University explaining the Christian life. And there was a time for questions and answers, and this young Jewish man said this, I deeply respect your statement of faith, but I am more interested in why you believe what you do rather than in the statement of what you believe. Why do you believe what you do? Why? Christ in me, the hope of glory. What Christ means to me when I get out of bed. What Christ means to me when I see a beautiful scene in nature. What Christ means to me when I go through a crisis period of my life. What, what Christ means to me when times of threatening or great responsibility or difficulty come. Christ in me in every situation, in times of loneliness, in times of difficulty, in times of decision, in times of crisis. Christ in me, he is with us. Men are more concerned with Jesus not for what he is to reported to have done, but what he is doing for them now. What's he doing for you? Now, in this day, Christ dwelling in me. What else does the scripture say? The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This points back to a certain time in the history, my friends. This points to the cross, the cross. Trying in the finite mind to understand the cross is like trying to wrap a package with a piece of paper that's too small. <laughs> have you ever tried to do that? <laughs> I've always done that around Christmas. I don't have too much of a, a sense of space and size, you know, I'm always caught, no, no, won't fit that, we'll maybe fit that, no, 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 no. throw it away. <laughs> Too small. You can't grasp it all. You can't understand it all. It's too big. It's too awesome. Too powerful. How can we understand the cross? In one way, I think God could forgive the sins of man because it was necessary for him to do something that only he could do. In the cross, Jesus came and stood in our place. He stood in the shadow of our guilt. He took our place. His death was for me. His death was for you. You can only understand that if you say his death was instead of my death. There was one who understood the cross very personally in the day of Jesus. Who was that? It was Barabbas. Barabbas was a thief. Barabbas was a murderer. Barabbas was a bad man. And a choice was given, Jesus or Barabbas. And Jesus went in the place of Barabbas. And Barabbas could say 
He died for me. Personally, he died in my place. He died in your place. Oh, my friends, we're not a murderer. We're not like Barabbas was, a thief. But in terms of sin and need for grace, in one sense, we're all Barabbas. I'm Barabbas. He took our place. He died for all. If he died for all, he died for me. Part up this mankind and humanity in little slices, put a name in on each one, and your name's on one of those pieces. He died for you. The Bible says the Son of God came. He was not bound to the cross by cords of man's weaving or even by the will of the Father. He could have walked away from it all. He was bound by that love for us. He loved me and gave himself for me. Do we grasp that? Do we look at that? Do we feel that? Do we know it? Do we experience it? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, because I have been crucified, my will, my desires, my wants, nevertheless, I live more than I've ever lived before. Yet not I, but Christ lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But there's one element still missing. We have faith in that. We have faith. Not so much understand it, just believe it. Know it so. See evidence of it. See evidence of it in other people's lives. We use the word faith so often, my friends, I think we've lost, it's lost some of its meaning. Maybe, maybe we ought to say the word trust. You trust your husband, your wife, your children, your friends. You trust them. You trust them in, in, with their word, with, the, with who they are as friends. You trust God. You trust his word. You trust his truth. You just trust him. You rest in him. You allow him to be Lord. But it all points back to the wonder of the cross. The wonder of the cross. Martin Luther was going through a dark night of temptation. The devil was tempting him in his mind and spirit, reminding him of all of his faults, reminding him of all of his weaknesses, and as Satan tried to tempt him and discourage him, Martin Luther said back to the devil, he said, is that all? And the devil would bring up even more and more of his faults and his weaknesses and his, his waywardness. And Luther said, is that all? And the devil would bring out more and more of the things that made Martin Luther not worthy of God. And finally, Luther in this night of temptation told the devil, he said, now, if that's all right beneath that long list, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. All sin. The wonder of the cross. An old preacher was preaching on the American prairie and he said the Indians would save their wigwams uh, from the blaze by setting fire to the dry grass of the prairie so the fire could not go where the fire had burned the grass already. And they would say the fire cannot come where the fire has already been. Folks, judgment has already fallen. It fell on Jesus. It can't fall again. The wonder of the cross. During the war in London, the bombs were falling and a soldier took a soldier that was wounded and got him out of where the bombs were falling and went back to get others. And as he went back, he himself was killed. And that wounded soldier thought of himself, if he had not moved me from those places where the bombs were falling, he died in my place. Christ died for you. There was a 
English lady named Lady Austin lying, dying, and a friend came to her in a room and just wanted to minister to her. And one of her last words were this, I've been thinking that one needs a great many scriptures to live by, but only one to die by. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. The wonder of the cross. Back in the day in the Civil War when a soldier, maybe because of sickness or family obligations, was asked to, to take part and be drafted, he could choose someone else if someone was willing to go in his place just so the quota was kept up to the right degree. And there was a man that wanted to go. He wanted to go, so he went in that man's place. And that man that went was killed. And his friend never forgot him because his, he went in his place. Jesus Christ went in your place. Do we hear that so much that we don't hear it anymore? Have we read it so often? We've sung it so often. We've heard about it in Sunday school so often that it doesn't really touch us anymore that Jesus died for you and me. Oh, my friends, don't be content with a partial grasp of a partial Savior. I am only able to live to the extent to which I am able to die to self. This verse can only come true in our lives as we see the cross. And sometimes I think our lives lack power and commitment because we have never been crucified with Christ. It has not happened. We know about him. We are familiar with his life. We approve of his teachings, but somehow our selfish will, our self, self, selfish ways, we have never laid them on the altar and said, these, Lord, belong to you. I died in these things so I can more effectively live for you. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives within me in the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. To me, that's one of the greatest verses in the Bible. And oh, my dear friends, if we could all do that, what a day it would be. Yesterday, Carol and I were coming back from a trip, and Carol practices her cantata, Paul, with the cassette, you know, so I learn it. Of course, I don't mind that. It's pretty. But uh, the cantata that's going to come up in a few weeks, Carol probably thought I wasn't listening, but I was, and I was listening to the words, and I thought that fits right into what I'm trying to say. For Sunday. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day. Gonna read it one more time so it'll sink in. And then I'm through. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. Let's bow together. Father, sometimes we can. Be in church and be in the pews, and the words just pass right over us. The truth of them, the power of them, they just somehow, we miss it. Oh, Lord, may we not miss this great verse, Galatians 2.20. May it impact us 
May we really read it with the eyes of faith. May we understand the depth and breadth of it. May we surrender to it. May we be crucified with Christ. There is no way to live rather than be crucified with Christ. There is no life without being crucified with Christ. There is no heaven without being crucified with Christ. There is no spiritual victory without being crucified with Christ. Bless us as we extend our invitation. These saints we ask in thy name. Amen. Take my life and let it be consecrated to you, Lord. discuss the future, uh, perhaps the future staff, staffing situation in our church is important to have a time to have your voice be heard, and that will be at uh, 4 o'clock this afternoon in the, uh, in the lighthouse. So come in and be a part of that. And remember, young couples group, real important 3 o'clock for an important meeting also. Hope you will stay for the meal. God bless each one of you. Uh, and the uh, benediction... Uh, St. Patrick's Day, Carol's Irish, <laughs> and there was a woman at um, Pleasant Plains Baptist that gave us uh, on the wall a beautiful uh, verse of the Irish blessing. <laughs> Got on my green today. Carol has on green. You just can't see it under the robe. <laughs> but um, this is a wonderful blessing, and I wanted to read it and pray it for you as our benediction. Let's bow together. Father, as we go, may we go knowing of your grace, knowing of your love for us, knowing the power of the cross, being under no illusion that we need the power of the cross, that we live by grace and not by law. And may this blessing be true of those all within the sound of my voice. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be at your back. May the sun shine warmly on your fields. And until we meet again, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand.
Amen. You have been listening to the worship service at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, located at 307 South Main Street in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Come and worship with us at your next opportunity. Thank you for listening.